Welcome to Canada's podcast. Hi everyone, I'm Phil Bliss, founder and host of Canada's podcast, coming to you from Toronto. Today we're going to meet Alex Simonelli, who's the founder and CEO at Daydream Drinks, Canada's first sparkling water infused with hemp extracts and adaptogens. So Alex, welcome to Canada's podcast. Great to see you. Um, and the uh, first thing, I, I mean, I've done a little bit of background. You know, Daydream Drinks, which is what, what you're, you're founded and running, you know, tell us a little bit more about it and why you started the venture. Definitely. Thanks, Phil. Um, yeah, Daydream was started as a way to bring more calming moments to the world. So I saw the, the beverage market and I definitely saw an opportunity, particularly in beverages where most of, of the older ones crowding the shelves are synthetic caffeine, chemical or, or sugar filled beverages. And I thought, okay, well, personally, as someone who was drinking beverages almost every single day while working, um, I wanted something that was plant-based that had no sugar. Um, I gravitated pretty quickly to La Croix and those kind of beverages, but there was no functional side to it. So, um, you know, pretty much daydream was built on the fundamental principle that um, in the future, people will reach towards more plant-based beverages, um, better for you alternatives than a caffeine or synthetic. And I'm sure there's still some people that swear by those or love them. It's also a whole group of people that are more health centric, um, you know, that we're speaking to as well. So, but what made you move to the, uh, I mean, uh, the hemp product side of wellness? I mean, you know, and, and as soon as you say hemp, it's, you know, everyone thinks cannabis and, and CBD. So what, why, I, I mean, I don't know what, what the difference is, frankly. Yeah, the distinction between the two is, uh, you know, hemp's below 0.3% CBD, so it's negligible. So um, we moved there because of the restrictions on building a CBD drink in Canada. There was a lot of upfront cash burn. I noticed quickly as a young entrepreneur, um, you know, two, about two years ago when I was starting that it wasn't really going to be, um, you know, I wasn't able to do the kind of marketing I wanted to do. Wasn't really going to able, able to be smooth sailing to launch something, even to test launch something and have an MVP just because of all the, the licenses needed. So um, yeah, I, I moved to hemp and I actually leaned more, heavier on the adaptogens. Uh, which are plant-based herbs that are anchored in the same kind of states that CBD is anchored in productivity, relaxation, stress reduction. They provide those, those things. So there were no beverages with them. I found them super interesting in the States. There's a whole category built out of it now. And in Canada, you know, and I can, we can touch a little bit into this part of the part of my process, but it was really about proving to the market that, you know, these should be part of the functional beverage market because Canada is normally behind uh, maybe a couple of years or so, maybe more, arguably more, I don't know, um, when it comes to different products and, and trends. Yeah, that was the decision to go to hemp and then the customers and we started getting orders and the feedback came in and I decided, okay, that was a great pivot. We're not going to, you know, touch CBD for now. Maybe somewhere down the line, there's a daydream plus with some CBD in it. But, um, you know, that no CBD has also allowed us to kind of uh, penetrate and, and, act, and, and sell the product in uh, the grocery market across Canada, instead of just the, the limited number of cannabis stores. You know, the, the, the key thing is, you know, you, I mean, you went to business school, you did this, you did that kind, kind of thing. You know, why become an entrepreneur? Why not sort of go off and get a good job and work for somebody and, and stuff like that instead of taking risk and, 
working 24 hours a day and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, so the first time I was in school, I general business, then I started going to economics and different things. I dropped out. And when I went back for entrepreneurship, there's a program where I was able to build this business and get marks for it. That was the only way I was going back to school because mm-hmm. I wasn't really interested in doing stuff if it wasn't my own thing. So, mm-hmm. um, but I guess it's just always been uh, an itch for me that I've had. I've, I've kind of done more entrepreneurship, I think is the word. So um, in the past, I built a friend's company up. They did multi-million in sales and sold it. And then I was left without a job. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm, you know, I'm only 25 now. So I said, you know what, before too much time passes, I'm going to start something of my own that I'm really passionate about that I'm going to pour all this time into, um, you know, and I, I love building teams. I love connecting with people. Um, again, especially when it's something I'm passionate for. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've entrepreneurship just always just kind of been, um, for me, the obvious thing. I mean, I know in the classes, they would give all these disclaimers, like 90% of entrepreneurs are going to fail. The businesses aren't going to pass like, you know, X amount of revenue or, or, or get to the point of a meaningful valuation. And for some reason that never really scared me. It just kind of seemed like a disclaimer on something that I just looked past. So, um yeah it's just always been in my in my nature so lots of people you know looking at this and listening um are thinking about going off on their own into their own business um uh you know it all seems so easy but you know how, how do you do that I and mean, how do you finance it how do you actually what do you mm-hmm. you know what 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 actions do you need you know to break out and, and and get things rolling and build your own business. I mean, from your perspective. Sure. Yes. From my perspective, it's not an extremely glamorous story. So, um, you know, I sold my condo to finance, to finance daydream. So I moved back in with my parents. I, I don't complain about that. I'm lucky enough that I had that option to move back in, whereas who knows other people's situation. So mm-hmm. it's a grueling road. I don't think that you know, I think you need to have the mental fortitude for it. And by no means in the world of entrepreneurship, am I wildly successful by net worth, but I'm glad to see Daydream, you know, growing as a company now. So it's like those risks I took weren't in vain. And I think that's what any entrepreneur just wants to see is return mm-hmm. on their on their uh, initial investment with their time, money. And, and um, yeah, so I think it's about being, being bold, uh, you know, I don't, you know, I mean, yes, you need to have soundboards. It's important to have advisors, important to test your assumptions before you spend a lot of money. That would be key. Um, You know, you don't want to go and blow your brains out per se. You you know, you sold you, you sold your condo. That's that I I get that. Mm -hmm. You get the money. I asked, I asked another uh, couple uh, about three episodes ago and, they said you just ask for it, and I thought that was that was a pretty funny, funny statement. <laughs> but, 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 hey, who are we asking here, though? Who are we asking? I mean, get the money from an investor, or like what? Yeah, I mean, you, I mean have, you know, you obviously did that. You sold the condo because you used your own stake to get it rolling. Okay. Yes. Yes. Uh, precisely. But to keep growing, you know, mm. sometimes that isn't enough. Many. Many, many times it isn't, isn't enough. How do, you, how do you kind of work through that? So it was a mixture of two things. So firstly, I was lucky enough to have a mentor in the CPG, which he had a food product space. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. uh, called Flourish Pancakes. So his name is Andrew Maida. He's the founder. We've been friends since we were kids. Okay. I saw him in his journey. I'd hang out around his office when he was, uh, <laughs> you know, he'd be like, don't you have anywhere to go? I'm like, no, I actually don't. He's like, okay, then you're going to go wrap these pallets for me yeah. in the warehouse. So <laughs> I put in some sweat equity to get a coach, to get some coaching with my, with my, uh, with my friend. And I learned really quickly um, that, Cash flow was the most important thing to be managing. And I learned really quickly the kind of margins and the kind of way you have to build a business to get into to CPG. So the dollars that I invested from selling my condo went a little bit further because I backed them with some education, um, meaning we were actually profitable our first year while growing. So I didn't lose money starting the business the first year. I lost the initial investment, but the business itself was profitable. Um, it could have easily been not if I wanted to just continue grow it really quickly, but I wanted to show profitability for investors. And then the second stage to that was um, raising money from investors as kind of that jet fuel to, to start moving, you know, the machine a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you have some more money. And, and again, it's the discussion maybe internally between you and investors, if you want to show, continue showing that profit if you can, but a lot of companies are venture backed and they burn a lot of money and they constantly need money on the, on a runway, they call it. And so I think it's refreshing for some investors to be like, Oh, you started this with your own money and it's, you can keep growing it profitably. Well, but you could grow it quicker. If you, if we raise more than fine, we get that. But if you didn't have us, you could still grow it profitably. So that was kind of my approach. And I only knew how to structure the business, um, you know, with the protect my margins, have enough for margins for an attractive business in the grocery space with these wholesalers and traditional grocers, mm-hmm. um, you know, have enough for my OPEX and my cost of goods and the profit. So I only knew that because I, because I had a mentor or someone I can hang around and, and, and learn from. So, um, yeah, that's, so, so, so it was a mix of raising money and the structure. Okay. So you don't, so because it's, uh, not a cannabis product, you know, you sell across Canada. Are you looking further afield? I mean, is, is sort of the big world you're, you know, on, on the horizon for you? That's a great question. Yeah. I think that once we've saturated and grown and really, you know, have our foothold in, in across Canada, because born and raised, I, I really want this product to be a Canadian product um, more than anything. Um, and, and we're on our way there now we're, we're launching across all the, all the Loblaws and, and stuff. And I think this is, you know, this, we had the story that we started with the first two years, had the unique brand, unique ingredients in that story. And now we're going to be building the data. I think those two things together are going to enable us to look geographically for expansion, whether mm-hmm. that's to the South of the U S or, or elsewhere, Europe, Asia. I think that, you know, we're, the team is super excited. We've, t- we've talked about this kind of stuff. The investors have mentioned it. Advisors have mentioned it. So it's, I think we have an iconic brand. Um, Daydream super iconic. The design is very, the visual identity. Um, it can cut through any language barriers. It's, it's a cool brand, unique ingredient set, like I said. So I want to bring it across the globe. Now, this is obviously really far away. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it does, does fire me up to talk about that, you know, the, the future possibilities of that. Yeah, we we would. You you said you had you had a mentor, which which is is very interesting. You know how how important is that to you know to someone building their business? I mean, how- yeah, I think that's an awesome question. So in I'll put it this way: it never really loses its importance. So whether you know I had that first mentor who was my friend earlier on um, that you know, that 
placeholder evolves over time. Now I have, you know, advisors who've come on as, as investors. Um, we have, we just got an investor uh, investment from Eat Beyond and they brought on a great advisor for us, Alan Linden, who has 25 years in Unify. Um, we, we have uh, uh, Yorn, uh, a 14-year executive from AB and Bev, Tony Cohen, um, early investor in Tequila Trumbo and Flow Water, and he's managing the hospitality business. So I've been constantly building from, from my friend Andrew, and who's still technically, I talk to him every week, you know, so he didn't go anywhere. But that need, ne- you can't ever satiate that need because you need to have inv- advisors and soundboards. Ideally, the, uh, the way we've structured it is our investors are also advisors. Yeah. Then they have that interest as well in the company. Thinking about the advisor thing, and I'm sitting on a couple of advisory boards as well. What's the best piece of advice you've been given that you keep on using? Oh, that's tough. Because so much of the advice they give me is very specific to today's issue or whatever yeah, yeah, I get, I get we're that. dealing with. I mean, maybe um, it isn't something, but sometimes, <laughs> you know, we carry something around with us and say, oh, oh, I better do it this way. Yeah, yeah. I think that um, some of the things that earlier on were ingrained into me is just to, to really, you know, um, stand up for the ideals that you have for your business. I think people want to be agreeable uh, as, as often, but if you don't ask, you'll never know kind of thing. Yeah. So it's important to not be agreeable all the time with your own ideals. Mm-hmm. And I saw entrepreneurs doing that. And I realized early on and reading some books as well, that um, agreeableness is uh, so unagreeableness is actually the, one of the top five characteristics of most entrepreneur, successful entrepreneurs. So I saw early on, even with Andrew that I was mentioning, you know, the need to ask questions, to push back on things, to, to, to really struck, to have the good fight for your ideals. Um, I don't think any investor looks at that as, look at this guy, he's being a hassle. And they look at it like, look how he's fighting for his business and how he's going to fight to defend whatever, you know, the business, the valuation, whatever it happens to be when I, when I invest as well. So it's an attractive characteristic to have to a certain extent. Um, but yeah, I think that's one of the major things I learned. You think, you think like, Entrepreneurs are a bit weird. You think we're, you think we're wired differently? Uh, probably. You your friends that aren't entrepreneurs and think of yourself. I mean, is there something different? Yeah, I mean, so a partner of mine in the business since like earlier in the early in the business, his name's Chris. Uh, you know, very uh, strategic, numbers oriented. You know, quantitative. Whereas I'm more qualitative. We make a great team. And he actually said, hanging around with you, I got more risk adverse. Like, you know, I noticed myself like thinking of things a little bit differently. So I think I'm just maybe entrepreneurs are hardwired to take a bit more risk. We also need people like him to tether us down sometimes because there are times when he tells me something. I say, you know what, I'm going to go based off this overarching strategy we have now. And I'm not going to, you know, so I've also uh, sort of changed, right? Because being too, too risk risky um, you know, could be damaging as well for, for the business. But yeah, I think entrepreneurs inherently have that mentality of, well, they must, right, obviously, of gambling because there's so much of that gamble going on in the early yeah. days. And, and with that in mind, you know, you know, what job wouldn't you like to do? Uh, what job? What job? Well, I do a lot of, a lot of everything in the business. I, I really enjoy the, the sales, the leadership aspect. Um, I do a lot of the number stuff, but I don't think I would want to do something where I'm, where I'm 
trap too much looking at numbers all the time. I like to make things happen in the real world and then review those, how they're, how those actions quantify through in numbers and, mm-hmm. and to better understand the impacts of what I'm doing. But I I like to go right back out there. So I'm very active. Mm-hmm. COVID has obviously made that the last years all virtual for me. Whereas mm-hmm. I love to drive around, travel, take meetings, go meet people, but um, go to stores, do demos. So what I wouldn't want to be trapped behind too many numbers all the time um, without the, uh, the real life aspect of it. What's your favorite word, you know, or, or phrase or whatever that you like to use, you know, and, and what word do you hate? <laughs> favorite phrase that I would like to use. What like. phrase that you like to use that's kind of, this is who I am? Uh, I would say that strict strict with the vision, flexible with the details. That's something that we say a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, our ethos is also brand over everything um, at, in the company. We have a couple other things, we, kind of like our values that we write down. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that having integrity is extremely important, but that's not per se a sentence or something that I like. To say, well, that's a good I, word. Integrity is a good word. You know? Integrity is, is extremely important. Yeah. Um, I think that the main thing that uh, the, the word I would stay away, I guess you said, what, what is the word you hate hearing was the mm-hmm. second part of the question. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not so much a word. It's definitely, uh, it's definitely excuses. I, and <laughs> I hate hearing the word no, but we all get faced with that. And yeah. uh, <laughs> you transform that into not, not now, but later. And, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, I'd say that's, so, so I mean, you, you, obviously you're running very hard. You know, how do you manage to find a balance? You know, uh, you know, workload and and relaxation. Uh, how how do you manage to do that? Is, mm-hmm. it, is there a sort of good <laughs> process that you you need to follow to do that? Yeah, I'm a little bit everywhere. Uh, I you know I try to set these better schedules for myself. It's like, yes, at this time I'm going to put everything away and then it never happens. So I'm pretty much tethered to my phone, like always doing work. Mm-hmm. Um, the weekends I take maybe Sunday off sometimes. Most of the time I'm still working. I am a really big believer in that whole, like, you know, if you work X amount, more, like three times more than your competition, you're getting what they're getting done in 12 months and, you know, in four. Right. So mm-hmm. I am a big believer in that in the, in the, in the earlier days. Now you can, I can take a little bit of time to cool off. So I don't burn out and I, and I get to kind of leverage that with the help of my team. So that's great. Um, still a very small team, still not where we want to be yet in the larger mm-hmm. grand scheme of things. Right. So um, a lot of work to do scaling up these stores, that like we're going to be in about a thousand stores. So it's pretty much like there's just a ton of stuff to do, especially now with the Loblaws launch, I was mentioning to you uh, off, off recording, but that is pretty much, I can elude myself and say, yeah, yeah, you deserve time off. But the reality is there's too much to do. So it's just an illusion. I would be lying to myself to take time off. I really just take some time when I feel like I'm burning out and I switch gears, but I have a very active mind, so I end up just filling that time with other stuff like working out or reading, 
Yeah. Um, so I don't really just kind of shut. I don't shut off. That to me isn't really relaxing. Feels kind of like wrong um, to totally yeah. shut off. Are you a morning or a night person? I'm a night person. <laughs> so so you get most of your most of your good ideas after seven yeah. o'clock in, in the evening. Yes, I can. I write like a like a madman at night. I get all my emails. I schedule, send them. If you get an email from me at eight o'clock on the nose, it's just the auto schedule send time that Google gave, gave me. <laughs> my team is like, dude, that, my team is like, dude, I'm getting emails from you at like 12, one in the morning. And my team schedules like they love. And, and Chris, who I mentioned earlier, my, my partner, he wakes up, uh, you know, business partner wakes up at six, gets my emails from one in the morning and answers all of them while I'm still sleeping. So it's like, but, and, and then, you know, like during the afternoons and stuff, I'm still working too. So that's normally when I schedule my in-person uh, video, video, not in-person video meetings right now. So, you know, what, what, what inspires you? What are the top three things that, you know, that inspire you? Mm-hmm. I mean, there may not be three, maybe one, maybe two, whatever, whatever. I'm just throwing a number out. It does. Yeah. Um, when I see somebody going after their ideal situation in life, their ideal, you know, like I, I was reading uh, recently, I'm still reading a book from uh, and and Rand called The Fountainhead. Mm-hmm. She talks about the, you know, a man striving for his, mm-hmm. you know, or her ideals in life. That would think that we are kind of the masters of our own fate. And although sometimes circumstances for people's lives are completely different than other people's, um, you know, there's a certain innate drive that all of us have at some point for something we want to see and do in our life. It's not for everyone. It's not entrepreneurship, right? It's not starting. This is, looks crazy to some people, like you said, or just not attractive. They just want X or Y. And I would say, awesome. So if you know what that thing is, it, go after it. That really, that inspires me to, um, you know, want to go after that ideal situation for my own life, for my business. Um, yeah. So you mentioned the book, audio book, whatever, you know, at least from my perspective, from, from many of the people that I talk to, books are important. They're, they're where they get, you know, some, some of their deeper, d- deeper ideas from. What 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 book would you recommend to some to somebody out there that sort of maybe had you know again you're carrying carrying that that stuff around in your head? Yeah, one I finished recently that um, an advisor and investor of mine gave me, and I'm really grateful for that is the Big Finish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that book. I think for someone who's in the stage, maybe not right in the startup stage, right? Who's actually in stage of the business, it's really great. It talks about kind of the uh, peril slash, you know, modes of thinking that you should be in when looking to scale up your business and what's important and eventually the sell, you know, how the, the sale of your business affects yourself mentally. Um, some people are, are left still feeling a longing for something because so much of their, of their personality was grown through developing this business or, the connections they made or the, their soul is still in it. But um, it also talks about the things to look out for when building your business and sell and, and selling the business. Um, 
and, and it's just an all around great, great read talks. It gives a lot of real life examples, which is nice. So you get all these different perspectives, mm-hmm. real businesses that you may have actually even heard of, like, uh, talk about Ben and Jerry's at one point and like Stony Creek yogurt that's selling to Danone. So it's like real products that you may know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really great book. And I, and as I mentioned, I'm reading that Anne Rand book. I have not even got a dent in it. The things of Telegram, <laughs> like, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it's awesome, and I, I have heard a lot about her philosophy before. For for me, um, I'm, this is my first time really getting into her philosophy, so I don't really want to. Yeah. I'm probably not qualified to talk too much about it, but um, I am a really big philosophy reader as well. So mm-hmm. not just uh, you know fiction. I'm I'm, I'm a big nonfiction philosophy mm-hmm. reader. Um, yeah, that's where I get. A- insight and, and it kind of feels like when I read something that feels like okay that relate that resonates to me because I'm going through that I don't feel so alone anymore I feel like now I have an even stronger purpose because there's somebody writing about this um you know unique situation that I'm or emotion that I'm feeling or this drive that I'm feeling so I, I definitely like to read more um philosophy that's around uh striving for things versus versus just general okay you know, philosophy. What, what are the top two or three things on what, what I would say your inspired life list? Those things that you, you know, that you really you cherish kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Travel for me would be a big one. Um, I love to travel. I, I'm also a huge believer that for me personally, once I do a lot of traveling, I usually am excited to go home. So I did this uh stint of traveling two years ago, uh, in between when I wasn't working on anything. Mm-hmm. So this was right before daydream. I lived in, in Europe, visited Italy, Sardinia, and, and lived in Berlin for about three months in Germany. And I, by the end of the, I wanted to go home so bad because <laughs> I really felt like I need to start something. Like I had all these things pent up and it was like, this yeah. is great. The vagabond lifestyle, but it's also, there's so, I get so much fulfillment from building something, yeah. building, you know, the, Good. business. So uh, I think the other thing would be just, you know, financial, I think everyone's striving for a level of financial independence to, yeah, you know, be in a place where you can just do the things that you want to do in the business, not necessarily, you know, you've done well in business and, and life. And so you can pursue ideas or um, I would love to, you know, help, help entrepreneurs when I'm older, right. And be in a p- place like the people who helped me, mm-hmm. um, that would be awesome. Right. Like, so these are things that keep me going in the background. Right. Um, yeah. You know, that's really been an interesting session. You know, I, I really enjoyed it, Alex. How can people get a hold of you if they've got some questions? Um, uh, you know, just, just, which is, which is the best way for them to connect basically. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can reach out to us on Instagram. So daydream is at daydream. You can um, you can shoot me an email. <laughs> mm-hmm. Pretty much check the general line. So it's hi at drinkdaydream.com. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's those would be the best ways. You can check us out online as well. www.drinkdaydream.com. That's you know we do free shipping across all of Canada. So if people wanted to uh, give the, the the waters a, a sip and a sample, um, they can do that. For th- we we have a pretty sweet discount going on pretty much most of the time and plus the free shipping. It's uh, the best way to get a sample pack is probably through the website. Okay. Um, and there's also a store locator on there. 
so people can see if it's around them in, in stores and stuff in case it's like okay. right beside them and they don't want to wait for shipping. But yeah, that would be the best way. If you want to directly get a hold with me, you know, just, just shoot an email to that, to that address. And uh, I usually check all of them. So. Okay. Well, thanks yeah, for coming on Panda's podcast. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Phil. This has been uh, truly an honor and I appreciate it. Great questions. And uh, really, really, ha I had a great time talking with you.